Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Was the pod before Christmas? Yeah, no, I'm not uh, gonna rhyme at all. But it is our, <laughs> it is our, it's, it's our last pod before Christmas, and our first in a little while here. Uh, we are waiting, 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 and finally Christmas has arrived. Uh, we've got hockey back, and more importantly, to answer, Christmas has come early for you and your wife. Introduce us to Wallace. Yeah, he's sleeping right now. I tired him out. Played hard with him. Um, but, uh, man, I, we could not have had a better, chiller, easier first day with this pup. Like, it's unreal. He seems to know some basic commands already. He has only peed outside and has let us know when he needs to go. He's been fun and sweet and has bonded already deeply with us. Um, you know, I mean, I haven't, like, had to put him to bed or anything. Like, he, he honestly just, like, lay down. Um, on the ground and was just like conked out five minutes before our, our producer sent me the podcast link and I was just like oh perfect like I, I hadn't even had an opportunity to tell my wife like hey I gotta go work for 45 minutes like then take over um, and he was just like <laughs> so uh, just about the perfect day he's sweet he's adorable um, you know uh, I'll, I'll never forget this day like honestly today is among the very best days I've ever had on this planet. This is cool because, look, let's be honest, 2020 has sucked on so many levels for so many people. But so many levels. Like, it's, it excites me to hear you excited uh, about a puppy. And I think, it, you know, <laughs> like, most of us can relate. Like, most people either have a dog or have had a dog. Like, I don't have one now, but certainly grew up with dogs. And so it kind of takes me back. And, yeah, just a nice way to sort of finish the year. So, Good on you guys, and happy to hear that Wallace is fitting in. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, it's been super awesome, <laughs> and, and look, we had a we had a real adventure getting him, and yeah, it is like it's a it's a ray of light, like just a adorable little baby animal uh, and furball in my house, um, and I'm really excited. Like I'm excited for you to meet him. <laughs> I look forward uh, to I'm, it. Uh, I was thinking, like, what I got to do now is I got to find, like, a puppy daycare that's near the rink so that when I walk over for morning skate, I can, like, find somewhere I can drop him for an hour just because it's such a nice walk. Like, I'll want to be able to take him on that walk. It's like the highlight of one of the highlights of covering the team for me uh, living in Mount Pleasant as I do is, like, I walk to the rink along the seawall like four times right like i'll walk there back there back on a on a customary work day and every day that i get to live like that i just think to myself like how good is this <laughs> you know um so i want to be able to take my dog at least sometimes so i uh, know just like over the moon super excited um you know even more excited about having wally uh, or wallace than i am about uh 
than I'm about hockey returning. And let me tell you, J. Pat, I'm real excited that hockey's coming tell. back. No, I can tell. You yeah. got a little pop in your voice. This is great. Uh, just one more quickly here, and it does tie sure. into hockey, and that is the name. Uh, where did Wallace come from? And I know that the alternative certainly had hockey roots in it, but it didn't pass the test. <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't. Well, he has this little like half mustache. He's got some uh, Bernadoodle coloring and he's got a little half mustache. So I was trying to pitch my wife on names that were mustache related. I was like, what about Groucho uh, for Groucho Marx? And she wasn't going to go for that. And then I pitched Sal. What about Salvador Dali, right? Like he's got a funny mustache, uh, iconic yeah. mustaches. And then I was like, really, I was just setting her up. It's so that when I dropped Lanny, she'd be like, wow, genius. Our dog's named Lanny. And then I suggested Lanny and she went, no, I think he's more of a Wally. And then she was like, Wallace, what about Wallace? And I was like, defeated. Like, yeah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was uh, that was a face off. That was a draw uh, that I that I probably uh, duffed a little bit. <laughs> Clean loss. <laughs> <laughs> Wing or win for the wife. All right, you got to take your L's uh, on occasion, and <laughs> Wallace is and with good grace name. I, and yeah, good humor. I, yeah, and if, look, if, if Wallace <laughs> is taking the L, I like Wallace. I think that works. Uh, and I've seen pictures. You've posted a few on social, and then good looking dog. And uh, we will chart his his growth and progress as we go here uh, on the Vancast. But it is a hockey podcast, so let's jump in. Uh, we learned over the weekend, 56 games, January 13th, camp on the 3rd. So uh, all of this is uh, coming down the, the line pretty quickly, although still don't know where these games are going to take place. You've had a chance to digest all of the information, the return to play, uh, the two sides uh, ratifying on the weekend. In all of this, what jumped out at you? In all of this, the main thing, I mean, look, I think the big story for us and for the Canucks is does the BC government go along with this plan, right? And and it is a go along with, right? The, my sort of understanding, and, and we don't, we just don't have a lot publicly, right? Like the NHL moments before we recorded dropped all of their documents, right? And the new rules for the season and the health protocols and a variety of other things, but we don't know specifically what the province is objecting to or concerned about right uh yet now the other side of this is is that again my understanding is that the rules and and health regulations and restrictions that are in place in british columbia and, and really across canada like the nhl is not asking for anything that is you know, special aside from the working quarantine, right? Like, which has already been granted. Coastal Health signed off on that in early December. Provinces signed off on that. So, you know, other than that bit of special dispensation, um, nothing that the le league is asking for from the health authorities isn't already okay. Like, we know there's restrictions on sports, but there's a professional sports exemption. Um, you know, to the letter of the law, the NHL plan the health protocols in place developed you know in in concert with the C cdc would appear to satisfy requirements but clearly there's a effort from the nhl to you know get their blessing get like their blessing in a different way right like the comparison i made was you know it, it's like asking the father of your bride it, for permission to marry the marrier you know like you don't actually have to do it <laughs> it's just good form right yeah and i think that's sort of where we're at so you know the 
uh, I mean, we'll see. Like, it doesn't sound like the BC government is thrilled <laughs> with how the NHLs approach this. Um, I think there's going to be difficulties in Ontario, too, because of that province going into lockdown. And so, you know, we'll just have to sort of wait here. But clearly, the NHL isn't surprised by this. The transition rules themselves call for neutral site accommodations for teams. And so... You know, we'll sort of see where that goes. But for me, that's the big takeaway. Like, I'm still waiting on pins and needles here, just being like, I don't want to go back to Edmonton. I don't want to go back to Edmonton. <laughs> I really don't want to go back. Like, I don't want to go spend two weeks stints in Edmonton, J-Pat, for Canucks homestands, right? But, like, I don't see how I can cover the team if they're not even located in the city I reside in, in, in another way. So that's sort of obviously what stood out to me, and not just for self-interested reasons, but because it's a fascinating portrait of you know how delicate the situation that we're all living through is especially during this second wave and you know the primary importance that has to remain on public health and that may include a variety of personal sacrifices and not just for me moving Edmonton but I, but I think in terms of everybody and their Christmas plans and you know what sports can be played you know safely uh, in the environment as we find it uh, and look around, uh, you know, as it's dictated by the virus effectively. Well, and I'm fascinated by the timeline here because when I heard Adrian Dix, the provincial health minister on Monday, I guess it was, you know, he didn't seem like he was in any hurry. What He's like, yeah, we've received the Canucks proposal and, you know, we're busy. We've got other things like it didn't sound like it was the priority that obviously the hockey world wants it to be but in a week that also includes oh yeah christmas where not a whole lot gets done like i'm really curious to see if there is pressure on these health authorities to make a quick decision like january 13th is coming whether they like it or not and I would think that the NHL, like the NHL talking about releasing a schedule here, and apparently it's a schedule that could apply to games in the respective buildings or could apply if they all moved into a bubble. And I'm sure there's a little bit of wriggle room there as well. But like that's sort of a fundamental part of releasing uh, you know, plans for a season is a schedule. And so really interested to see... Uh, what the schedule looks like, but then how quickly do we find out, you know, where these games are actually going to take place. And for me, one of the surprises, because we had talked at length on this podcast and on the radio and you'd written about, like, we were all sort of under the impression that there was going to be an expanded roster in addition to a taxi squad. And so when the details were released over the weekend, roster stays the same at 23 men and then four to six on the taxi squad. So, you know, there's going to be some decisions, some really hard decisions, I think, on the part of a lot of these front offices. We know that a goalie has to be in the mix. We sort of speculated on that, that every team would carry at least one extra goaltender. You'd have to. But I don't know. I I guess I, I was sort of under the impression that maybe the roster somehow would be expanded and then the taxi squad. And the other part is 36 people at training camp. So again, some decisions are going to have to be made rather than a regular training camp where you can bring you know, everybody and then some yeah. with PTOs, like you have to make a, a cutoff, a, an actual distinction of who makes the grade just to make it to your training camp. Totally. And and honestly, I'd bet that for some guys on the fringe of your roster, you're only, you know, for the 33rd through 36th guy that you're bringing to camp, like, are you really going to have a guy quarantine, right? For that, like, are you really going to bring back a European or American based prospect uh, for the purpose of, 
you know, being one of the first cuts likely, right? Like, I don't think so. I, I mean, that would be weird. Like, that would be stunning. Well, and, and, and so, I, don't, I just don't think there'll be a lot of cuts because it, with no exhibition games, like, these scrimmages are going to be important. And in order to true. round out two rosters, like, I think the cuts will come in sort of at the end of camp. That's I, a really good point. That's a really good point. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see Green and company recreate the phase three model and like totally. do those sort of Completely. nighttime scrimmages with morning skates and do simulated yep. game days, simulated preseason. Like that would be, so you know what? That's a really good point. We might see all these guys play to the end. And if that's the case, boy, what a huge, huge opportunity for a player who is unlikely to make the roster, but a guy like a Jet Wu, right? Or even even a Cole Lind, just to show that you've made progress and can hang in this environment. Like that's a wildly exciting opportunity for those types of young players. And we're so hyper-focused on the Canucks, as you would expect on a podcast like this one. But it's going to be really interesting to me. Like, let's use Jet Wu as an example. He comes to camp. He hasn't played anywhere. He's going to get 10 days of skating. He's unlikely to make the taxi squad. And then what? Like, we don't know if there's going to be an American Hockey League season, right? Like, that's still up (laughs) in the air. And so, for the sake of this argument, like, if the AHL can't get up and running or Utica's not able to be a part of uh, an AHL, whatever. Like, I'm really curious to see what happens to these guys if they don't yeah. make the... Like, these are guys that need development. Like, they've got to be playing. They've already missed half a season. Are they going to go another half a year until we get back down to, you know, normal times again and another training camp in September? So really interesting, sort of the fallout of this 36 man and then down beyond that when they do make these cuts. Like, what happens to some of these guys that don't make the grade? It's a really good point. And one thing, one big takeaway that I've had just from scanning the transition rules is there's an awful lot within it that strikes me as... If you read between the lines anyway, the NHL is prepared for the AHL to not operate. When you consider the logic of what a taxi squad is, right? You're essentially pulling the six best players or the five best skaters and the starting goaltender from every AHL club, right? Yeah. Like what what's left? You know, like there I mean, to some extent you're pulling a, 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 the first pair, the first line and the starting goalie off every AHL team. Um and then you're going to ask them to operate, right? Like what I mean, what what benefit is there? So Rule four of the transition rules, for example, entitles a player that is unable to gain a year of professional experience by virtue of, for example, not having a place to play. And that's spelled out directly. Like, hey, if a player doesn't have a place to play, they still get to accrue a year toward UFA. Like a year of their service clock will still be told during this 2020-21 league year. Uh, additionally, there's a rule in, in the transition rules that entitles teams to loan a player to Europe, and this is the this is the big one, I think, for a guy like Jet Wu, while paying all or a portion of their minor league salary. So the NHL has essentially set up a like reverse transfer protocol, right? To to facilitate more widespread loans, presumably, uh, for the types of prospects that may be caught in the type of limbo that I, I think it's likely, frankly. Uh, we see a variety of even like notable, like certainly top 10, maybe top five quality Canucks prospects uh, could well be unless they come to camp and really blow the doors off. Yeah, which, you know, if you just sort of flesh that out a little bit, like all these teams are going to be basically in the same boat or could be in the same boat. There are roster restrictions in Europe 
you know, as far as outsiders and foreigners and those types of like so it just feels to me like there would be this mad scramble for spots on roster like the european season is going to pick up after christmas and continue on like their rosters are already stocked so i don't know how much room there's going to be at the inn when it comes to finding places for some of these guys to play and i I just wonder if there are going to be prospects across the national hockey league that essentially go a year and a half without having a place to truly call home like that to play competitive hockey and i know yeah i mean well and if you're at the wrong age if you're 19 20 like losing that year losing that 18 months of development i mean that could change your whole professional trajectory right i mean on the other hand maybe you come maybe you gain 20 pounds and come back a totally different guy right i mean there are probably some positives that can come of it for you know guys on the guys who are extreme outliers and sort of dedicate themselves in a particular way but I mean think about how you've been unable to attend a game for example since March right or how my life's been disrupted as well professionally like it's not it's not like we're going to show up to the rink for game one if we even get to show up at the rink in Vancouver to cover game one and be in mid-season form. Like, there's going to be rust. It's going to feel weird. Now times that by, you know, 20 because of the <laughs> specific types of requirements, timing, and fitness levels required to play professional hockey, right? And you sort of get an idea of what uh, these players are going to go through when they, even when they hit the ice just for training camp. Like, I think for a guy like Jet Wu who hasn't played since March – even just being able to be at camp, regardless of what happens thereafter, I'd have to think that's a huge deal. I'm quite fearful that I'm going to show up at this camp having put on 20 pounds, but uh, not not for the <laughs> likewise. Yeah, not for the right reasons. <laughs> not for the right reasons likewise, at all. Sir. But it is again like look, we've all been waiting, and I know our listeners too. Like it's just so cool to think that it's a few days before Christmas, and like you can almost reach out and feel January 3rd now. Oh, like, it's I know. right there. And to yeah. see the World Juniors, you know, I wasn't sure that the World Juniors were, were actually going to get up and running. But, you know, to see hockey on my television, uh, you know, you've got the puppy glow. I'm sort of, I've got the hockey glow here. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's putting me in my happy place. But, like, Good. all that we've been through to think that, like, we're basically two weeks away now from starting to, starting the process of getting these answers that we have talked about on this podcast forever, the, you know, defensive depth and the right side and the top six and maybe a surprise candidate at camp and all those, and Braden Holpe for the first time in a, can I, like, it's right there now in front of us. Like, it's just, yeah, like, it's right there. So, Let's go. Let's exactly, go. Totally. Yeah. And even like the goalie battle at training camp, Completely. right? Like, I'm starting to, I'm starting to think about some of these storylines or, or like some of the weird strategies that are going to be introduced because of the pandemic, right? Like I was having a debate with someone on Twitter who was talking about how, you know, well, the Canucks, if they start slowly out of the gate this season, they can always just, you know, make some trades and reorient their roster. And I'm like, no, no, like you enter this season if you're a Canadian team and you end it with basically who you arrive with. Like that's the difference of this adventure it's going to be wildly difficult with the quarantine regulations to claim a guy off waivers, right? To replace a guy lost off waivers, to make a trade with a player who's playing for an American team, you know, like even now, even right now, uh, as of this recording on what Tuesday, December 22nd, 
if the Canucks were to sign a, a UFA, now I don't expect them to sign anybody, but if they were to sign a UFA who's based in the United States, he wouldn't be available to start training camp, right? Like already yeah. the Canucks are probably limited should they want to give anyone a flyer at camp to players residing in Canada, right? I mean, how crazy is that? Like the limitations on this are going to be wild. And so when waivers, for example, uh, the waiver period opens on the 28th of December, six days away, less than a week from now. Like, I am almost wondering if a team will waive all of the guys that might be on their taxi squad. <laughs> like, if you're a Canadian team, wouldn't you be best served waiving every single guy who might be on your taxi squad just in the off chance that someone, like, claims Justin Bailey? Right or or because teams are still filling out their thirty six man training camp roster and are unlikely to claim a player like Jalen Chatfield, so that you don't lose them on November tenth, three days before the season starts. Right, because then you're really in a bind. <laughs> this calendar has you all wrapped up. You just said November tenth. Uh, oh, second. sorry, I keep saying that. <laughs> um, well, I'm just what I'm used to, man. I, I'm used to I fall got hockey. You. I, I got you. <laughs> I've never me. said the words when the season starts in January. God, you've, you've my moved bad. Me, no, but you've moved me to tears here. I've never been so excited about the opening of a waiver period in my life. Six days, <laughs> six days away. And, yeah. but, look, Posted. Look, look, yes. <laughs> just hammering the refresh button at 9 o'clock that morning. And 8.59, yeah. like, like <laughs> loading up Friedman's <laughs> Twitter feed and Completely. just mashing refresh. But so look, good. Look, we joked about it a few weeks back on the pod where I was like putting the people at YVR on notice for, you know, keeping an eye out for uh, NHLers, unrestricted free agents. Like, do we know where Mike Hoffman is? exists at this moment because that would answer some questions about which teams he will sign with like if he's not on this side of the border that probably rules out all seven canadian teams doesn't it i believe he's in the kitchener area at the moment so canadian teams are <laughs> a possibility canadian teams are a possibility he's keeping, but he's, also he's keeping his options open also it seems that the americans need to um the americans also are going through a seven-day quarantine right so yes. It's wild. I mean, honestly, this whole thing is just so wild. And, you know, the Canucks are used to more than most other teams because of how difficult it is to get from Utica to Vancouver. Um, they're used to thinking 48 hours ahead of most NHL teams who can, you know, call up a guy and have him there right. for the game, right? Like, most, most, mo even, even like with the Florida Panthers, you know, the affiliate was in Springfield. If a guy needed to be there for the game, you could get him there from that morning, right? Like that, that was very much doable. Um, with obviously the Marlies, you just take the streetcar. <laughs> Winnipeg, <laughs> it's the same rank. Um, the Canucks are used to operating like 48 hours ahead and, and, and managing risk a certain way. But this is a whole new level. This is thinking ahead in two week increments. And, and I think this is going to be another interesting wrinkle is what if the AHL operates in Canada, but not in the United States, right? Like what if the Canadian teams uh, that are operating their AHL affiliates, so Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Winnipeg decide to operate their four affiliates because it gives them a resource, right? Like it gives them extra players outside their taxi squad. If Vancouver was to get down to like, say they carry 70, on their uh, 23 man, three more on their taxi squad. You'd think that's the max, right? Like nine defensemen that are easy to access. That's kind of like the outside 
amount of defenders that the Canucks can have. And man, we've seen a lot of Canucks seasons where they use 13. <laughs> we've totally. seen them win the President's Absolutely. Trophy in seasons yeah. where they lose yeah. 13, where they use 13. So, you know, like, do you try and keep guys playing in some capacity in Canada? Like, do you try and have a fourth goalie who's available somewhere in Canada? Like what, I mean, I just think this is, this is really the side of it that I'm most fascinated in. And that's obviously cause I'm a huge nerd for this stuff, but from a roster management and risk management perspective, like you're really going to enter the season if you're the Canucks and you're going to have access to 16 forwards, 9D and three goalies. And you're going to have to get wildly creative outside of those bounds. Um, it's just not a lot of hits you can take over the course of the season. Yeah, like I've given this some thought and I've seen some chatter on Twitter as well. People suggesting like, you know, maybe you could find another AHL team in Canada for Mike DiPietro and loan him out. But that's well, everyone a, has their own guys. Exactly. Especially the, like that theory isn't terrible about players like skaters, but goaltending, it's always such a numbers game. They're, they're just not enough net to go around and teams already have Plus their own having, prospects that need to play. Yeah. And having a third goalie that's not um, that's waiver exempt seems like a huge edge. Like I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't be giving that up lightly. I know, but at the same time, like if he doesn't ever play, and we come back to you know a year of development, like in a in a normal world, Mike DiPietro would have another season in the AHL where he would be the guy and he would play you know fifty five or sixty games probably. Totally, and, and he may not play a game. Uh, that said, he's one knock away on Demko or Holpe from being back in the National Hockey League. Like, what a precarious spot to be in on that taxi squad. And you just, you know, I don't know if they're going to practice with the big team. Like, Travis Green's got a job here, and that's trying to win games at the NHL level. And I don't think he wants this traffic jam on the ice, even though, like, I would think the taxi squad will be a pretty separate entity. Like, I I don't think that those guys are going to practice. You already got enough bodies on the ice. Um you know, so again, a ton of moving parts, sort of the different philosophical battles of it's not a developmental league. We know that. So like Travis's goal is to win hockey games with the best roster he thinks he can. And these taxi squad guys, uh, they're along for the ride. But, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to share the ice with the NHL guys probably ever through the season. No, which is another reason why you know, the lack of extension clarity. And I mean, I think it's becoming increasingly likely, especially as we, you know, get to 10 days, you know, we're 10, 12 days out from camp opening, right? That green or we're two weeks, two weeks from camp opening roughly. Um, you know, I think it's pretty likely at this point that green is not extended before that. And yet you have, you know, you're entering a season with all of these like long-term club priorities that need to be minded you know, in terms of how do we get, say, Cole Lynn's on the taxi squad, say, DiPietro's on the taxi squad, uh, say, Jack Rathbone and Brogan Rafferty on, are on the taxi squad. Like, how do we get these guys enough reps to continue their development while also winning games? Like, for me, you, you, you want to have a guy who's got some skin in the game beyond this season uh, in in balancing those things and, and sort of assessing their the, the organization's needs over the long haul and not just, Hey, like I need to win games for my next deal. And, and look, I, I don't think I don't, I'm not saying this to say that green's going to approach this, you know, in a narrow self-interested way necessarily, but I'm just saying from an incentives perspective, 
um, like that has to matter, right? Like that has to matter. And, you know, it's sort of one of the small reasons, you know, beyond the media shitstorm and just the way that it looks, the optics, um, that to me make it a, a real story here. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you used your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. When I look around the National Hockey League, Tom, and you know we've talked about it that once the return to play was ratified, like it would sort of be chaos, and and it's been a slow build to chaos. But we've seen some signings declare last week. Uh, Granlin has now signed back in Nashville, so some of these and names a decent are coming clip. off. The, some of these names, yeah, he got close to four mil, three seven five, I think. So uh, decent on a one year deal. We talked about Mike Hoffman. But I have to ask, like, really, what are we, you and me, even doing here? Because we banged the drum so loudly on Eric Chernak for somebody to poach, to get predatory Ugh. with the Tampa Lightning, and they've done it again with another bridge deal three years at under three million bucks for Chernak. Appalling. Like, it's appalling. <laughs> I'm, I'm mad about it. I, just, I genuinely just think, of, just think of Wallace. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you could have got him. You could have got him at three times four, or one times four, even worse, from Tampa's perspective, anyway, for a second round pick. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, that one that that shocked me. Like, it just how many times can Tampa keep doing this? Where they get how, these how, guys? Yeah. It's because they're being let off the Schneid. Like, there's nothing else to it. Teams are just not using this device with a view toward efficiency at all. Well, I'm pissed off because I thought you and I had some sway here on the podcast. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were building. I thought we were building to something. And no. <laughs> Have you been li- reading the 1040 inbox, though, while you've been hosting? Like, Chernak keeps coming up. And I'm just like, oh, that's the power of the VanCast right there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we tried, people. Trust us. Yeah, we, we tried hard, but it wasn't to be. Amazing though, like a six foot three, physical puck moving blue liner, who's twenty three years old. Yeah, and thirty teams decided not to try to poach him. I, that makes sense. Hey, I really see- upset. <laughs> I can tell, but you've got a puppy, so everything's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Christmas time, and you've got a puppy. You're, <laughs> You're right. You're right. You, Just you, think of Wallace. You talked about it briefly on the radio this morning, but you've written about this, I think, a couple of times, this notion of firing out of the starting gate in a compressed mm-hmm. season for the Vancouver Canucks. The importance of it, and obviously not just the Canucks. I mean, all teams want to get off to a good start, but... One thing that Travis Green's teams have done well in each of his three years is get out of the gate pretty quickly. And obviously that's going to put you in good stead if you get ahead of opponents, you get ahead of the curve a little bit. And in 56 games, like, you know, use 12 or 15 games as sort of your starting point, uh, the Vancouver Canucks could absolutely set themselves up. And this will be interesting. Now, 
again, I, I think you see something here as far as a trend is concerned with the way the Canucks have started these seasons. I, I will caution that last year, the most recent start to the season, uh, that October, they got off to a nice start, but it was aided by a favorable schedule, right? Like they saw Detroit twice. They saw the LA Kings twice. uh, They saw and got past, well, Philadelphia actually played them hard in Vancouver. They found a way to win in the the shootout there. Uh, But they, you know, the St. Louis Blues were still trying to figure things out. They got a win. And look, every win's a good win in the NHL. Like I don't want to sit here and pick at wins, but I do think that we all said like October ended and we were like, all right, now the work begins for the Canucks because the schedule is going to pick up. And it did, but those points yeah. are valuable points. They put them in the bank, and they're going to have to do that again here. Well, look, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Like, 37 games in the month of October for the Canucks during the Travis Green era, 104-point pace. In all other games, and that's an over 200-game sample, 77-point pace. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a wild split. That is. And, and when you factor in two how the Canucks got out of the gates in the bubble, right? That's sort of four data points. You know, we're talking about a 50-game sample. That becomes something that I'm, you know, fiercely, fiercely uh, (laughs) side-eyeing. And so so I got to say, like, if the Canucks match that 8-3-1 start that they managed, yes, against a soft schedule in the 1920 season, they could go four games under 500 the rest of the way and play to a 97-point pace, which all but assures you of a playoff spot. Uh, To me, anyway, that is a very interesting advantage. Uh, Now, we'll see if it actually plays out, but there's something there. Uh, I don't think that's nothing. I'm I'm anointing that one something, JPET. Okay, fair enough. No, I and I, I do think that there is, well, I certainly think there's something to a quick start setting yourself up nicely, and it does kind of feel like Travis Green through these camps, and, and look, we sat there at Rogers Arena all summer. Like, that was a, a hard camp, and, and they were happy with the camp, and obviously they were able to use uh, camp as a springboard into the bubble, and, and there wasn't looking back for them. So, you know, I would expect well, and they this did camp... different smart shit. Yeah, No one totally. else was simulating games, and... right? Like... Yeah, so that's why I think, in my mind, there's no doubt that the playbook is there uh, for the Canucks coaching staff, and I think this camp will look an awful lot like what we saw in the summer, uh, just in terms of the work that gets done, how they do it, when they do it, probably some nighttime games, and with no exhibition games, like those scrimmage games are it. Like That is the chance for these guys that are on the fringes to step up and show something, so... You know, there was some intensity in the summer camps. We noted that then, and I I would expect that much and then some because, look, in the summer camp, it was a continuation of the season. It had been broken up by COVID, but Travis Green had a read on his team. I think he came to the camp knowing, you know, what he wanted and where he wanted guys to slot in. This is a little different. They've lost some players. They brought in some new faces. There will be jobs to be won, and the only way to win them is these scrimmages because you're not going to win them in drills in camp, and there are no exhibition games, so... Scrimmage games are the money in this camp. Yeah, scrimmage games are key. And, man, there are some fascinating battles here. Like Demko Holpe, that's a fascinating one. The third pair of the defense, massively fascinating. Especially especially because if one of those guys 
right? Like if Yolevi or Rathbone, Rafferty or Chatfield is at a level where the Canucks might consider playing them in the top four, right? Like fattening their pairs. Um, I don't expect that to be clear, but like if you're finding that Chatfield maybe can play with Hughes, um, that's a game changer because then you can move, you know, Myers down to the third pair, play with Yolevi. You're probably going to be able to play that pair more and manage Edler's minutes differently, right? That's massive. Like the knockoff effects would be huge. If Rathbone can play with Schmidt, same thing. Um, I don't expect either to happen, but huge. I mean, huge knockoff effects, massive consequences for the rest of the lineup. And same thing up front, right? If Vertanen can play with Pedersen and Miller or with Horvat and Pearson, like that changes the whole complexion of what you're looking for. But if you're back to Louis Erickson on that second pair, or in the second line, excuse me, uh, then we're back to a situation where we know that Horvat's going to be fed toughs, right? He's going <laughs> to, that line's going to struggle five on five a little bit. Pedersen's going to be feasting against secondary comp, and the Canucks will probably punt a bottom six matchup, uh, you know, against top six competition. And, and then you just spend minutes on end getting shelled like they did against Vegas. And, you know, like the Canucks have proven they can win that way, but it's not pretty and it's not sustainable. Right. And just with this layoff, you know, what's that going to do? Like, will somebody come in and surprise in a good way? Will somebody come in and surprise in a bad way? Uh, you know, you expect these guys are pros, conditioning and all that shouldn't be an issue. But until they're all on the ice together, you just don't know. And so that's why, again, it's right there. You can almost reach out and grab that first day of training camp. So uh, it's all exciting. It's there. Uh, get through Christmas. And uh, basically it's game on, especially for those seven teams that didn't make uh, the bubble you know, they get going on New Year's Eve, so we really are like 10 days away from the start of legitimate hockey at the NHL level. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things, and we'll keep our end of the bargain here, at some point before Jan 13th, we will do our goal prediction podcast. You laid it oh, down yeah. there, that's our next wager. Uh, looking forward to it. But because they're playing 56 games, like I was spending a little time last night, like we all have to adjust accordingly, right? Like 56 is essentially 70% of a regular season. So, you right. know, if, if you're a 20-goal scorer, now you're taking 14 goals, and that's a, a successful season. If you're a 30-goal guy, if you can get to 20 or, you know, 21, then that's on your pace. So now I have to take all this into account. It's going to take a little time for me to uh, recalibrate to figure out my goal projections, but we won't do it until camp begins, but sometime between Jan 3rd and Jan 13th. We definitely will get yeah. our, our goal prediction podcast out there. 100%. And I'm going to write an article on it, too. Okay. I, I'm just letting you know. like, Because if I don't, yeah, then we'll have to listen back. And, like, well, I mean, not not that we don't like that. But oh, something tells me it's we just will easier. Be, something tells me we'll be reminded on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> when it goes but yeah. off the rails. So and and the series, the series is man versus machine. That is, that is the... It's the man versus machine goal scoring projection challenge. I like and it. And we also need to come up with a yeah, stakes to be determined here. With stakes, so. yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe wait, maybe the stakes should actually be stakes. <laughs> like a couple of cuts of meat. I like it. I'm in for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a bet with stakes. Hopefully on the road. <laughs> Hopefully it can be paid off on the road somewhere. 
But fingers crossed. That would yeah, be ideal. Very much so, all right. Well, it was good to get back up and running here on the podcast. Uh, this is it mm-hmm. for us ahead of Christmas. We'll do one more between Christmas and New Year somewhere because yes. we'll be that much further along. We'll have a sense of the schedule. We may know where the Canucks are going to be playing and may have some more Canuck news to digest. So we'll get one more before the year. This isn't it for the year. This is the one before Christmas. So to all of you out there, uh, our VIPs, uh, we always say it, but it means a ton. You and Harm did another uh, lunchtime. I saw it was lunchtime with Harm and Drancer. Uh, how did that go, by mm-hmm. the way? Oh, super fun. Uh, there were some really good questions and a lot of stuff that made me think differently and that you'll see in articles and here on VanCast Takes in the weeks ahead. Uh, because the VIPs think deeply about this team. Like, they have some detailed questions and going through the exercise of unpacking them always stimulates, um, you know, my old notebook. Like, it always, always uh, ends up, end up with a bunch of ideas on the notes page. So... No, a lot of fun, and the VIPs are the best. And so, a Merry Christmas to them from you and I, and from everyone at The Athletic Vancouver, and a promise as well. Uh, You know, as you enjoy your Christmas ham, uh, Jay, Pat, and I for sure, and the VanCast team will go ham on training camp. Like, we'll be at two-plus a week for a while here, I think, especially if things play out as interestingly as I expect them to. All right, I'm with you there. We'll flush 2020, and we will hit the ground running in the new year. Is it going to mean a lot to you? Like, I know nothing magically changes on January 1, but it's going to mean a lot to me to turn the calendar. Yeah, I mean, just optically, I think, to put 2020 behind us. I I just, honestly, I'm worried that there are going to be idiots out there that are going to say, fuck it, I'm having a New Year's Eve party. We've all been cooped up way too long. Like, I, I don't care what they say. I have to, you know, see 2021 in, and they'll have these super spreader events, and we'll be right back Ugh. in the soup. So if you're a VIP and you're listening, don't do that. Don't. Just, Please don't. Like, we'll do a new fan cast between Christmas and New Year's. That can be your New Year's Eve party. You and your small bubble, you gather around, and you listen to a fan cast. There's your plan for December 31st. Yeah. Taking care of it. You're welcome. Uh, Merry <laughs> spread, Christmas. Spread joy. Spread exactly. joy this holiday season, yes. not COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hockey's just around the corner, and obviously we're excited. Uh, and as Grantor said, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for your support all year long. Uh, we have fun doing it. We hope uh, you have fun listening to the Vancast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com. Mm-hmm.